And the Heartbreakers to Geek Salad <laughs> episode 174, side B. Uh, we, we didn't start the bad dance. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we're continuing from last <laughs> week's <laughs> episode. I know, that was the point. Um, get busted. Um, we're continuing from last week's side A, where we discussed the singles of 1989. And now we're going to move on to the album side. This is kind of a yearly tradition because these shows run so goddamn long. Yeah, you can um, always tell when we intend to do a two-parter because we actually do it. We break. actually sign off. Yeah. And I don't have to do the record scratch like, oh, we ran long. <laughs> um, and then we usually use a Simpsons thing afterwards because that's how that works. No! Yeah. Yep, yep. Alright, so we're on to albums now. So anybody uh, who wants to start off with one of your five favorite albums released in 1989. Alright, I'll kick it off. Alright, Catherine! With uh, Madonna's Like a Prayer. On the last on the last installment of the episode, go ahead. All right, so uh, I listened to this because I do still own the CD, um, which I bought. Oh goodness, knows on college, I think. So, like a prayer, we discussed a bit at length before. Um, Express yourself. We were kind of brief about, and uh, I'd like to talk about that one a little bit because when I was, you know, I popped the CD and I'm driving to work and listening to it, and Express Yourself comes on, and I'm like, yeah, I understand why Weird Al made fun of it and. Per- Brought it up and performed this way, right? Yeah. Because it, it they, they definitely stole the guitar riffs and stuff from this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for born this way. Um, 
But other than that, it's good. Uh, Cherish is really good. Yeah, Cherish isn't a bad song. Cherish isn't a bad song. Spanish Eyes is okay. Okay. My favorite is the last track. Or not my absolute favorite. Obviously, I like Express Yourself. Express Yourself actually really holds up very well in this Me Too era. Um, so I would you know listen to it again and, and yeah. be like, oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, Active Contrition is the last track on this album. It I don't think I'm familiar with that one. Okay, it's, it's yeah, it's definitely a last track thing. Okay, oh, so it's super long. It's, it's, it's not very long, actually. Yep. But it's really interesting. You know, they've got some of the vocals from uh, uh, Like a Prayer. Yep. Like, they might have done it with some of the outtakes, and she's, you know, doing the act of contrition and kind of reciting it, kind of singing it, and then she starts saying, I reserve, I reserve, I have a reservation. I have a reservation. What do you mean it's not the computer? <laughs> and it's just... The, oh, mad. It is the weirdest <laughs> comedy bit at the end of oh. this album, and it is so funny. Oh, Madonna. <laughs> did they have computers in the 80s? Yeah, they did. Yeah. They were terrible. Yeah. They were all like these big uh, NEC computers with the blue screens and... Ours was green. Actually, actually, we did have a color screen at home yeah. on our Apple II Plus. Ooh! But most most of them had a gr- just a pure green monitor. Well, excuse us, your highness. Yeah. Well, my, my stepfather worked at Honeywell. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, we did. We didn't have it anymore <laughs> by '89. He was long. Class of '92, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, we had the vaxes at, at the at school. And you could take the cover off of yep. the monitor yep. and stuff your scrap paper in it and put the lid back <laughs> down. Yeah. One of them I did that I wrote garbage in, garbage out, and stuck it inside the monitor. <laughs> yep. I just, I remember, I mean, like, I, I alluded to this before, but this is like Madonna's last good album before Ray of Light. Yeah. Nope. Well. All right. Oh, you, you said there's something, you know, like, for the next year? Yeah. All right. No, that's not the best of, right? No. Okay. Um... I don't know because after the, it was like she did the uh, the Virgin tour with the whatever the tour was, which I remember like you could get like offer glasses for it. It was like the <laughs> most expensive tour of that time, right? Um, second only to one that we'll talk about later, Joe. Um, but yeah, I just I just feel like a lot of her stuff at that point she was just kind of self parodying until Ray yeah. of Light came out. That's yeah, Real like, Real Light was kind of like. Her com- considered like her comeback album. Yeah, she she, right. she was changing changing sound right a lot. I had a lot of friends th- who were super into Madonna in college too. So oh, yeah, I liked I, I did like Ray of Light, and was, that was around the time that Sex came out, right? No, Ray of Light was well after Sex. Okay, yeah. Sex came out after um, yeah, was, uh, Justify My Love. Yeah, somebody somebody brought it to, to class in school in college, but but yeah, we'll we'll talk about all these things when they come up in a few years. Gotcha. All right, and, and that other yeah. album that came out before Ray of Light that I liked next year. All right, yep. My first choice was Eric Clapton, Journeyman. Shocker! No shit. Whoa. You're doing an Eric Clapton album? Get out of town! Fuck <laughs> you, say. Fuck you all. <laughs> Oh! 
So what makes this one different than all the other Eric Clapton albums from the 80s, Joe? Well, one, it's a, it was his number one, his best-selling album. It was his first album ever to earn him a Grammy Award. Yeah, for best vocal, yeah I remember that. Best male vocal. And this was like the culmination of his renaissance that started with the Live Aid performance yep. in 1985. This was like his, like I said, his best-selling album. I Until loved Until Unplugged. Until Unplugged. Well, I think that was more because of the yeah. emotional, yeah. you know, what happened to his son. Yeah. But, like, I love Pretending. Pretending is like one of my favorite songs. Yeah. And any Clapton fan, you go to his concert, this album contributes a lot of, like, what's considered now classic album, yeah. or classic Clapton tracks, like uh, Old Love yep. is an awesome love, like, torch song when he plays it live. Um, Bad Love is a good, is another one that's a, a staple. Um, you know, and just, it's, it's like, you know how I mentioned in the last show that, that, um, what was the song? That Rod Stewart was kind of trying to hitch his his yeah. his ride yeah. to yeah. the the classic rock renaissance. Well, this album was a big part of that. You know, it's like like I said, 80, 1989 was a transitional year, and classic rock made a made a big comeback in it 1989. Did. It made a huge it comeback. made a huge yeah. comeback, like adult contemporary classic rock. Well, a lot of that I think had to do with the fact that a lot of adults were tired of hair metal dominating, right. You know, rock radio, right. And you know, again, this this kind of comes in, falls and in. I, and in I know the, you say this sounds like a lot of Eric Clapton. It really doesn't. Eric Clapton changed his, his tone and his sound right after '85. With the but there's an movie. '80s sound to Clapton, though. Like I think that you know, if 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 his like yeah, another ticket, money and cigarettes, and behind the sun, right, have a certain sound to him. It's like a carryover from his, his right. '70s sound. After Live Aid, when he got a new guitar with August and and Journeyman, his tone and his sound really changed a lot. Okay. And, I mean, and again, you might be you might be associating it because Journeyman was his most like his his most famous or his his biggest album of the eighties, right? And that's the sound that he carried through the nineties, right? So, okay, right. so Mike, what do you got? I got a. Uh... Looked After Dark by Tone Loke. Oh, cool and had a ball. And I'm looking for some action. But like Mick Jagger said, I can't get no satisfaction. The girls are all around. Boy, none of them want to get with me. My threads are fresh and I'm looking deaf. Yo, what's up, what L.O.C.? The girls are all jockeying at the other end of the barn. Having drinks with some no-name chump when they know that I'm the star. So I got up and strolled over to the other side of the cantina. I asked the guy, why are you so fly? He said, funky cold Medina. If you hadn't taken this, was this was going to be on my husband's list. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Looked after dark with his two hits. Yeah, well, three, technically. What is the third hit? I got it going on. I don't remember that 
I don't remember. Yeah, it, it, it's not a bad song, it's, it's, but it's not as good as Wild Thing or Funky Cold Medina. Okay. You know what's funny about Loked After Dark is that Tone Loke released a best of that was actually called uh, Wild Thing, Funky Cold Medina, and Other Greatest Hits. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why don't you just buy Loked After Dark? <laughs> But, I mean, I mean... It's like the Color Me Bad best dude, of. This, this guy's got the best bass voice since Barry White. He he does... His voice is very distinct and very yeah. interesting. Um, I can understand why he wasn't a bigger thing after no, this. No, I, yeah, I buy that. But this... this Four dollars? This is a solid, this is a solid uh, album, though, and... Uh, per, I mean, Wild Thing I love, but Funky Cool Medina is easily my favorite track on Funky Cool Medina is a better song, I think, than Wild Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing with, with with Wild Thing is is that, first of all, the, you know where the sample is, right? No. Um, it's Janie's Crying from uh, Van Halen. Okay, I, I just remember Isle Thing from Weirdly Yankovic. Uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, Gilligan, Gilligan's Isle Thing. The, fir- the first, ri- the first riff of uh, Funky Cool Medina, you know it's... Uh, Jamie's crying. Was it Funky Moon? No, Wild Thing, Wild Thing is is Jamie's crying. Yeah. Dang, dang, dang. You know, the, the, like, the first, like the first like the first four bars you knew yeah. right away. Oh, this is uh, Jamie's crying. The thing also about Wild Thing is that it was I think per capita the most quoted song in my no it wasn't the most quoted song it was the most distinctive senior quote in my high school yearbook. Because somebody actually used and I will go name, name redacted here. Uh, his senior quote, words of wisdom to leave for the ages is, that's what happens when bodies start slapping by doing the wild, from doing the wild thing. Oh, good God, no. Yes. He was on the football team. I know, uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. I, I have the yearbook, yes. I, I, so I, I, have, the, I have that yearbook, too, and I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. Yep. Yep, that's, uh, that's words of wisdom. That Pearls! Pearls of wisdom! wisdom. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking I'm about. I'm sorry to hijack the, uh, yeah, the Loked After Dark. Go ahead, Mike. That was pretty much all I had to say. Oh. <laughs> well, you know what? No, but kind of tone low kind of brought hip-hop and rap into the mainstream. Yeah. Just because the, it was so controversial. The, the album was so controversial. Yeah. But but it, the song's caught on, though. Like, yeah, no, no, you're right. No, it's, you know, when, when you have white boys in acting... Yeah. Right. You know. I, I mean, yeah, I, I am whiter than white, and I'm not a big rap fan, but I do like this album a lot. Yeah, and this was very accessible. Um, yeah. And that's the thing with, I think, late 80s rap, is that it was incredibly accessible to suburban white kids. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they met their Antichrist in Vanilla Ice a year later, but, you know, that's, that's another <laughs> t- tale for another time. This is also the year that Paul's Boutique came out from Beastie Boys. That's true. That's right. mm. Forget how good of an album that is, and none of us put it in there, did we? Because it was on my husband's list. Oh, okay. Well, let's just talk quickly about that because this show will also go long. Um, yep. Yeah, Paul's Boutique is a very interesting album because it. My, all of my knowledge about the Beastie Boys at that point was you got to fight for your right to party. Right. So essentially, they were the metal rap band. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of their a lot of their good. You know the, the the stuff that I generally know is mostly on um, license, the License to Ill album, right? But uh, there is there is some good stuff on this album. Yeah, what, what's the big hit from this one? Or uh, the big single? Uh, let me look it up. All right, go ahead I'll, and do I'll that. Go back to you. Why don't you do that? I'm going to read off some of Steve's album uh, choice here because one of them ties into mine. Um, where the hell did it go? Okay, 
Steve writes, I love Rush beyond words. Meeting Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson is one of the best days of my life. But Presto is still in my probably never going to listen to these again CD wallet. How could you not like Presto? I I don't know. Presto was a return to form, but it wasn't a great... It was a watershed for, for Rush because they are like, you know what? Maybe we should stop with the synthesizers for a bit. Yes. I remember them talking about that, too, when they uh, be on the Lighted Stage documentary. Oh, really? It's like, yeah, we had to go back to something. Like, um, Neil Peart actually went to like back to drum school. <laughs> and was like, I'm going to do something different this time. Did you find it? Uh, Eggman was one of the big ones I okay. And Hey Ladies. Hey Ladies! Hey ladies. Get funky. Cowbell, cowbell, cowbell. <laughs> hey, 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 hey Ladies! <laughs> Awesome. It's fun. High, t- High Plains Drifter is also good. Who knew three Jewish guys are going to be like the <laughs> biggest, <laughs> the most influential rap <laughs> bands of, ever, of all time? Music industry is so racist. Um, Alright, so Steve also brings up one that ties into one of my picks here. Uh, okay, Running Down a Dream is the only song on my road trip, workout, and crying while drunk and regretting my life decisions playlist. <laughs> that came from the album Full Moon Fever by Tom Petty, which, yes, is a solo album. I felt so good Like anything was possible Hit cruise control And rub my Last three days, and the rain was unstoppable. It was always cold, no sunshine. It's actually Tom Petty. It's not Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Really? Uh, yeah, this was this was the during the Traveling Wilbury days. I like And Wilbury. he picked his friends well. Yes. This is produced did. by Jeff Lynne. Oh. So you know it's good. Honestly, well, I, whatever you say about ELO as a band, I love Jeff, ELO. Just you shut like, your fucking no, mouth like, about no. ELO. Fuck you. I like ELO too. <laughs> but whatever you say, say of ELO as a band. Jeff Lynn is a superb producer. He is an amazing producer. This album, I'm pulling up the, the track list right now, is just... I went back and I listened to this one. So many great songs on there. I mean, Free Fallen. I mean, who had their, uh, that on their singles list? Joe. I love Free Fallen. Dude, Free Falling is a great it song. A this great was... Song. When Tom Petty died, this is the first one that popped up on yeah. every playlist. Not in the stations I listen to, but okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, some different Tom Petty was... Yeah, my my brother and his friends were in the back of the school bus with their arms in the air, waving back and forth, oh, going, God. free fall. And I told him I was going to tell his grandchildren about that. And he said, you won't remember. Oh, well, you're, you're, you're reliving it right now. Yeah, I was like, well, the minute you say that, I'm, you, you just dared me and I will remember. One day I'm going to be co-host like, of a podcast. And, you know, I don't even know what that is, but it's going to be in the internet yeah, and well, ever, this is this is what I have to do because ever. he's not going to have grandkids, so. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> So you get Free Fallen, I Won't Back Down, which oh, is the lead such single. A good song. That I was great that too song. because it was essentially it's a traveling Wilbury song with with uh, 
Ringo Starr doing the drums. Yeah. And that's a fantastic song. Loves the Long Road, Facing the Crowd, Facing the Crowd, um, Running Down a Dream. Yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. how do you not love that guitar? That that was that the one riff? that was playing on, awesome. on my that's radio awesome station. Okay. Okay. Oh my god, I remember what a great. Actually, and I, I remember the you remember the video for that too. Yeah, the cartoon. Yes. That we, oh man, that was awesome. That was so second. This such a psychedelic cartoon. Actually, a uh, friend of the show, uh, writer Jax, uh, was perform was sang in a band called um, Singer Bad Dancer, and this was one of their song. This is one of the songs that they played, and it was fantastic. They had uh, their guitar player did a really good job with it. She sang. Well, she sang the hell out of the song. That that is, nice. Well, that's it is, that is such a hard riff to get right. Oh, it is. It is so so hard. Um, you're so bad, which is kind of like the 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 like the least of a of a great album, and it's still a great song. Yeah. Um, you know, all right for now. There's just it's a lot of great stuff on here, and for Tom Petty, it was really like it was nice to see him being able to collaborate with other people. Yeah. Because I think this followed. This was after the Petty and Dylan tour and the Wilburys. Oh, that's right. So yeah, he'd he'd been a busy busy boy. So he will he will be missed. Mm-hmm. Yes, he will. All right, Catherine. I believe you were up next. Yes. All right. And the next one I have is Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. Which awesome. I think I'm the only person in the room that's actually seen the movie. You probably have. You probably was have, it like yeah. that long form video? It was. It was like most of the album, and there was a dialogue, and there was you know. But I can't like. A friend of mine had it. I got to watch it. It was very neat. I liked it better than um, Moonwalker. That's not hard though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was you know it's a high concept you know. Horrible future, you know. I'm, I'm I'm definitely big on the post-apocalyptic thing, and and you know trying trying to come out of it and stuff. And there's you know the part of the song of Rhythm Nation is at the end, and they say no, it actually keeps going, and there's a whole <laughs> extended dance sequence and everything. And I cannot find it on the internet. Oh, somebody you who fails us, internet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that definitely belongs on the internet. I can find Garfield's Nine Lives on YouTube. <laughs> You can find Garfield can find without Garfield on on the internet. I mean, you can you can you know the the TV production of Once Upon a Mattress is on YouTube. Why the hell isn't Rhythm Nation on YouTube? Oh. Somebody on the internet fix this. Yeah, I again I'm going back to because we talked about the song earlier in the last episode. Uh, the the Rhythm Nation song, the drums, 
in that song. Just that repetition, yeah. that repetition in the drum beat, which yeah. was very. That was just that was a staple of of late eighties, early nineties hip hop, and it just works so well in that. It's just constant throughout the entire song. Yeah, yeah, and if like having seen the movie, it brings even more meaning to the song "Rhythm Nation" than there is in just the album and the song. She's a hell of a dancer in that video too. Well, she's a hell of a dancer in general. Period. Yes. Well, that's the thing is that Paula Abdul and and she work together a yeah. lot. Yeah. Right. Um. I seem to remember that the song Black Cat was, uh, the guitar was done by a Nuno Betancourt of extreme fame. <laughs> okay. Home- <laughs> hometown hero where I come from, so. <laughs> Is he from Hudson? Yep. Really? All right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. He used to come into my video store all the time. I have boring stories about him. Uh, <laughs> not literally, they're boring. I'm not even trying to like downplay anything. It was like, yep, great. Got the best new release. Enjoy, buddy. Um... Joe, you're up next. My next pick is uh, Nick of Time by Bonnie Raitt. Not a bad album. I believe this was album of the year. It was album of the year. It won several Grammy awards for that year. Mm. There was uh, it won three Grammy awards. Uh, topped the Billboard 200. I mean, it was it's a, it's a best selling album. Right. And again, it's it's part of that adult contemporary classic rock renaissance. Yeah. You know. Yep. And at the time, you know, after listening to like Clapton and stuff like that, I was like searching out for other guitar heroes. Right. You know, and she well, was like, "This was like this is her private dancer, essentially. Yes. This was she. This is her just, peak. This is her peak. This is her, her. This was her getting off of booze. Yes, and putting out this album. And and I think you'll find that a couple of my other choices is this kind of same thing too. Is like you're seeing these artists kind of like kick bad habits. Yep. Make, make the, this is their their big comeback albums and their big comebacks and stuff like that. So. And this one doesn't end in tragedy. So no, it does not. Yeah. And, I, and a lot of the songs I really enjoy, like um, Have a Heart, yeah. is a really sweet song. I really like it. You know, it's a nice little love song. Um, well, the big tune out of this one was something to talk about. Yes. Yeah, which, you know, lent itself oh so well to uh, crappy mid-90s uh, rom-coms. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, it did. Starring Kara Sedgwick's. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, I really, I really, I, I, I'm not, I've never owned this album, but I've never, like, I would never change the channel if it came out. Yeah, this, no. this is a fine song. It's a you won't throw it out of bed of song, of albums. Right. Yeah. Mike, you're up. Yep. You're going from rap to country. 
Oh, it was wow. 1989 when, uh, oh, yeah. when, when uh, country music was unleashed on an unsuspecting yeah. boy and he didn't realize that 30 years later he'd have to explain out, himself. About it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got, and we're going to start off with the uh, debut album of the guy that really got me into country music, Garth Brooks. All the world was right. How could I have known? That you'd ever say goodbye And now I'm glad I didn't know The way it all would end The way it all would go Our lives are better left to chance I could have missed the pain But I'd have had to the dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Alright, yeah, so all right. I have never listened to a single song on this album, so I'm gonna reserve all judgment. I will say my familiarity with Garth Brooks came in ninety one. Ninety ninety one Freshman year of college. Yes. So, and and that that you and I were in college at the same time. No, so. because, no, you're, you're, I'm a year older, I took a year off. Oh, so, so yeah. I may as well be a year yeah, younger. Yeah, 91, 92, when, yeah. when low places. Yep. <laughs> All right, Mike, go ahead. Now, what's the military but, school? I mean, yeah, I mean, low places no, no. was one of the songs that kind of cemented Garth Brooks' legacy. Place. Legacy. <laughs> His, uh, but the very first, the very first song that really cemented that, was the last song on this on this album, The Dance. Okay. This is a fantastic, it's a very slow song, but it's basically about like, I mean, there, I mean since it's country, there's a story behind every song. Right. Um, and this one is like, you know, just like, if, if you had it all to do again, would you, you know, would you do it all, or, you know, would you, or would you, would you do try it to change? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, um, I mean, the, the video for this one is just really powerful, but the song itself is just... And you know, such a, it, it is, you it know is, what? I mean, you, you can't deny that that Garth Brooks was a huge crossover success. He yeah. was. He, in, in, Garth Brooks, I think, innovated the... It's country music, which essentially is rock of the fiddle. Yeah. It, 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 well, it's, reason, it's why I got into country is because... He, he bridged the gap for me. Like the right. straight, straight up country, I'm not a big fan. Like bluegrass, I'm not a fan of. But this stuff, this is like it's country, but it's country with like a pop rock. Right, so that's, it's, it's rock country. Yes, right. and that's that's. And, he, and really, he kind of set the path for a lot of yeah I those mean, f- similar acts to follow. Like yeah. you know, I mean, like uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know any lots, yeah. lots, <laughs> lots, just lots of. Country. I mean, WCL. Yeah, WVBF got turned into WCU around this time. Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't until long after that you started seeing pickup trucks with Confederate flags in Massachusetts, of all places. Oh, my God. Don't don't let me tell you about the dude in front of the gun shop in Leominster, (laughs) Massachusetts, wearing a Confederate hoodie. Yeah. Thank you, Garth. (laughs) Don't blame him for this, all right? (laughs) There there are really three songs off this one that I... uh, Well, there there are really four songs, but there are three that... The three that I really got it is like if tomorrow never comes, yeah, um, much too young to feel this damn old, and uh, the dance. Okay, but the dance is easily his best song off this album. Okay, uh, I just because I went to a southern college. Well, that's <laughs> your own fault. 
Well, it's yeah. It's a long story. It's a long yeah. I went to I went to and school. It's not, it's not you know, the you know story went, that we're waiting for. I, you know what? I went to school. I went to school in Vermont, which is kind of like Alabama. Okay, you have yes. to wait, <laughs> to wait <laughs> at least two more albums for that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. So I'm up next. Yes, you all are. Right. I struggled for one of these slots, and it was like I had one, and then Catherine's like, "Hey, can I take that one?" And I was like, "Sure." I have an honorable mention. Um. So, and I'm going to kind of cheat here, but I'm going to go to the same type of cheating that Joe did last year with, uh, like, all of his B-sides, live albums, and best-ofs that he picked last year. <laughs> hey! 88 wasn't a good year for me, all right? Okay. So I'm going with uh, Depeche Mode 101, which is a double live album. We talk about, like, if an album is overproduced or underproduced. For a band that is essentially a synth-pop band, this is possibly the most underproduced synth-pop band live album you'll ever listen to. Because they, you know, like, with Rush. Rush makes all of their songs sound like the album cuts. Yes. Depeche Mode doesn't. You can tell you're listening to a live live version that's more than just listening to the crowd in the background. Mm Mm-hmm. They do a really good job of kind of deviating away from the the album version of it just to make to give it a little something special. There are so many good songs on this album. Oh my god, there are so many good songs on this album. I mean, again, they're all older songs, but you got Behind the Wheel, um, Blasphemous Rumors, Stripped, which is one of my all-time favorite Depeche Mode songs, um, Black Celebration, Shake the Disease... Uh, People are people, which is kind of like the big hit, the biggest hit that they were known for at, at that time. Uh, Question of lust, master and servant, just can't get enough. Everything counts. These are all fantastic songs, and they're played in front of a really, really game audience. Yeah. Like the audience, I didn't realize how big Depeche Mode was at the time before Violator came out. When we talked about Personal Jesus on the last installment, right? Um, I didn't realize how big they were because I had only known them for People Are People. And when I got this album, I'm like, wow, yeah, I can see it. I can see that if I were a couple years older, I would have been, like, knee-deep in Depeche Mode prior to this album. But this is, if, you, if you've if you never listened to Depeche Mode before, if you've got somebody who's like, you got to listen to Depeche Mode, this is the album you want to listen to first. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a great introduction to early Depeche Mode before uh, they switched more over to the guitar, more over to the overproduced stuff. Yeah. Um, so definitely... Check that one out. Catherine, you're up. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. All right, excuse me. So, this album was released in 89. Yeah. And it was a gift to me by my friends when I went to college in 92. 
and it was definitely a good icebreaker on the hallway as I unpacked while listening to it. This is Monty Python Sing. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, most, thousand times yes. Unlike most Monty Python albums, there's no skits on this at all. It is all songs. Half a bee, philosophically, must ipso facto half not be. But half the bee has got to be a vis-a-vis its entity. Do you see? But can a bee be said to be or not to be an entire bee when half the bee is not a bee due to some ancient injury? Singing. A la dee dee, a one, two, three. Eric the half a B A B C D E F G Eric the half a B Is this a wretched demi B half asleep upon my knee some freak from a menagerie No it's Eric the half a B I love this album. Yes, I do. Oh my god, there are so many great <laughs> songs on this album. Yeah, I was I was listening to this on the way over, and Eric the Half of Bee came on, just as I was getting here. I, I just bought this album last week, actually. Well, digital, anyway. We've, I, we've had this album for years. This is the copy that I was given in college. I still oh, really? This is, so this is your original? Wow. This, wow. Is, this is my... I was digging around looking for things that I had on my shelf from 89. Yeah. I also want to uh, point out, too, just speaking of Monty Python, an album's released in 89, the final ripoff was released in 89. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's the Skits album. Yep. And that one's phenomenal. Yeah. I've, I've always got a soft spot for the money song. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and they, 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 the accountancy shanty is right after yep. that one on the album. The Medical Love Song is one of oh. my favorite because it gets... So gross. <laughs> well, you know, but you know what? You, you know, I always, I always lose my mind when I hear the term snail tracks. But just, well, no, but just because I'm such as a, a venereal disease. But just because I'm such an immature twit. Yeah, sit on my face as my like. Oh yeah, you know. I, 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 I can't help it. It's just like sit on my face and tell me. Oliver Cromwell is such a weird song. I, I love. Oh come on, that's good. Every time we uh, were in, when we went to London. Every time we saw a picture of Charles the First, <laughs> the most interesting thing about Charles the First. I thought two legs from my hip to the wow. ground. When they walk around. Is it awfully nice to have a penis? <laughs> Is it frankly good to have a dong? I saw Eric Idle live, lovingly ripping off the songs of Monty Python, <laughs> and he did that one at the Wang Center. <laughs> oh, I bet you he made mention of that. Oh, he did. Yes, it's hilarious. <laughs> Finland, which actually ends up in spam a lot. Yeah. Oh, yep. God. Um, every sperm is sacred. Which oh, that is. There's a story that will not be told, but uh, there was a there was a guy in my hall like. I mentioned it was an icebreaker. There was a guy in my hall um, fr- who was also a freshman, my freshman year of college, who loved Monty Python. He's like, so you're going to be friends with me. And he had, um, um, oh, what's the movie that Every Sperm is Sacred is from? He had that. Meaning we, of Life. Meaning, meaning of Life, life. Yeah. yeah. We all watched Meaning of Life, which I, you know, I, I've not watched a lot of Monty Python 
and wasn't very familiar, and then I got the CD. Because my brother and I once I turned on Monty Python's Flying Circus, and there were no elephants, there were no clowns, and we turned it off. My second favorite Python movie. I, I, I do, what, what's, uh, what's that song that, um, uh, that, uh, that Graham Chapman sings? Heaven? Oh, Christmas in Heaven. Christmas in Heaven. I, I love it because he just has that, that smarmy American accent. Yeah. Yeah. The Galaxy song also from um, Life, Life. Meaning of Life, Life with yep. Eric. Eric, I love Eric Idle just really tweaking the, the accent. Yep. At oh, like, 100 million miles an hour. Well, like, obviously his fa- most famous tweaking of the accent, uh, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Yep. Which is the first track on this album. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. There's just so much great stuff on here. Yeah, this um, is... This, I think out of all the albums that we've got, this is the only one that... Every All of us agree on, yeah. It's yeah. so good. It it never yeah. be rude it's to an good. Arab. <laughs> was, I was playing when I told this at the gas station. <laughs> oh, so racist. Never it's make so fun funny. of an Irishman. <laughs> all right, all right, uh, next up. All right, my next one. Shocking, surprise, surprise. Is uh, In Step <laughs> by Stevie Ray Vaughan in Double Trouble. talking earlier about validation albums this, this is, is the one that this, ends tragically no it was actually the it one was a year later it was the one, oh, did they put out an album out the next no, year he and his brother put out an album the year that's right the year that's right you know what alright yep never mind I'm but, an idiot again but this is again this is one of those things he kicked he kicked alcohol he kicked drugs yep this was his like first true mainstream success you know he wasn't he was no longer a footnote in uh in David Bowie's Discography. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. And just, again, it's one of those things where, you know, I being interested in the guitar, I wanted to soak up as much guitar music and guitar history as I wanted to, and this was on the path. You know, it just come out. The House is Rockin' is just such a fun song. You know, it's like a, yeah. your typical hard rock, blues rock song. Um... This is when they, they had a heavy rotation on BCN back yes, in back in the back day. in the day. You know, I mean, it, it's you know, and it's also a good. It's got good, you know, blues standards. Yeah, like "Let Me Love You, Baby" is an awesome Willie Dixon song. I love the way he, he plays that. "Leave My Girl Alone," and even his like instrumental. The instrumental at the end, I love "Riviera Paradise." It's just nice. it's got very kind of tropical. Almost Jimmy Buffett quality. To he was place. an incredibly versatile player for someone who specialized in blues guitar. He's incredibly versatile. He's the only player I know that could pull off a Jimi Hendrix 
Hendrix riff right. and just sound exactly like him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Stevie Ray Vaughan is considered one of the greatest guys. Oh, easily, yeah. Easily, yeah. So, all right, Mike. Uh, well, actually, we talked about most of these songs already, but uh, going from rap to country <laughs> to uh, rock pop, Richard, Richard Marks, repeat offender. songs haven't we talked about, Mike? Uh, <laughs> so just thought, no, right here, this fucking right. album went on went on to chart at number one. So, a- uh, Angelia. Okay, that's not a bad song. Nothing you can do about it. Also, a good song. Um, uh, you know, children of the night. It's all right. Not bad. Uh, yeah, but yeah, honestly, most of the songs, most right. of the really popular songs. I mean, the thing with Richard Marks is is that for as kind of cheesy as he is considered being, yeah. like not to the level of Kenny G cheesy. Yeah, I got to admit, I don't actually have a problem with any of his music. No, I don't I, think I had a problem with his music back when I was a cynical asshole in college. I, I, I mean, you may say his songs are like kind of schmaltzy and like soft, whatever. But yeah. they're still good songs, and he, he's a good, you know, he. he He's got a good vocal range. He's good. Well, he was song. a songwriter before he was a singer. Yeah. So yeah. So I think he's done a good job with that. Yeah. All right. Am I up? Yeah. You are. Up. All right. Okay. I'm gonna start this with a story. All right. All right. Is this the story? All right. Is this all right? teasing? December 24th of this year, Christmas Eve. I posted a thing on Facebook that says, "We told Jamie to drink his egg- eggnog slowly." He's doubting it like he's marrying Ravenwood at closing time in Nepal. (laughs) Steve Day responds back to that saying, This is the most you thing you have ever said. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) This is the most me thing I have ever said. Or will ever say. I lost my virginity listening to The Cure's Disintegration. You did not. I like it. 
I did. Oh, Andy. Yes. The Cure's Disintegration, an album that a uh, friend of the show, Dave McLean, who wrote the uh, the book, Time Travelers uh, Resort and Museum, uh, pretty much said that, uh, to quote the, uh, the great uh, poet Eric Cartman, Disintegration is the best album ever. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, there are so many pieces of your puzzle that have just fallen into place for me. It just all makes sense now, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, all yeah, just clicks. Does. Clicked into um, place. That yes. also explains why you keep giggling about oh, about that line in uh, Ant Man. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, that was just funny because it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sure, Andy. So first of all, I just want to say how awkward it is to listen to this album with your children in the car now. Um, <laughs> because I was trying because we pushed this show back a week because Catherine and I were both sick. We would have recorded this a week ago, and it was snowing. And it was snowing, yeah. so we had that. But I was trying to like power through all of my album picks to make sure that, you know, I reacquainted myself with the albums and all this. Disintegration is not only a long album, but the songs are also super, super long. So whatever chance I had when I wasn't trying to catch up on a podcast, um, you're welcome behind the Bastards of Musicals with Cheese, um, I was listening to these albums, and it's like, okay, i got to drive Scarlet to, to band practice. Sure, I'll listen to Disintegration now. <laughs> but I will say... That this album, if you go listen to this and listen to the time it was made, it is nothing but like the most beautifully produced music of this era. It's like it's very, very rich and very, very lavish. And as someone who, you know, as a you know a fan of bass guitar, very bass heavy, like that, like that, just that you know the, the pick against the strings type of bass. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> No, obviously not. Now we've we've, we've established that already, Joe. Um, no, but like the 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 the, the pitch sliding against a yeah. you know, with that thing, and it's it's like it's not a guitar heavy album. It's a bass heavy album, which is rare for rock up until like the '90s when Ned's Atomic Dustman had two guitar oh, bass players. Yeah, yeah, that's a deep cut. Yeah, that's wicked deep. Go ahead, you're dying to say it. Oh, the the fact that we were. I can't remember what rehearsal we were leaving, um, but <laughs> the girlfriend that you took to prom. That was Stephanie Frawley. She was in my class. Right. We and were done with shows, by the way, so if it wasn't her, it was someone else. But go ahead. Well, but uh, she was tagging along or something. She made a comment about the fact that you would crank the, the heat in your car <laughs> when the, cars hadn't war- the engine hadn't warmed up yet, because that way you could warm her up later. That is totally not something I would have said, actually. No, that's what she said. Wow, she's a fucking liar, then. <laughs> Either that or she was trying to be funny. She may have been. Um, yeah, no, that is totally... I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that to like defend myself. I totally didn't say anything like that. And no. she doesn't listen to the show, so I don't feel like bleeping her name out. Uh, <laughs> wow. Wow. No, I'm not that clever. <laughs> if I'm proven untrue, I'll totally retract. But still, that's... wow, wow, no, that that, that wasn't me, man. Yeah, I think maybe it was years. No, I can't remember. She might have been like... fit to flight to fancy. I I don't know. That's not my. Uh, that's not my style. Yeah. Because again, not that clever. Nope. Well, we later had a, a, a 
for an exchange student whose first name was Anders, she's like, it's close enough to Anders, I'll track more. <laughs> or something like that. Wow. No, Andrew. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Who's up now? <laughs> I'm getting my high school friends confused. <laughs> it's okay, it's late. Sorry, I don't know any of them, so it's fine. You don't know these two guys? <laughs> uh, vaguely. <laughs> you might deny our existence after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, the past. Catherine. Yep. All right, actually, yeah, Catherine, it's up. you're up. All right. So, changing, I'm also genre-jumping like crazy. Um, I wouldn't actually learn about this album for a couple more years after it came out. I was blown this, away by the by the year this album was released. Yeah, but this was very formative in my life when I learned about this in my senior year of high school. Um, Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine. album is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I love every track on this album. I wore this thing out. Like, I, someone loaned me the, the CD so we could put it onto a cassette. I wore the, C, the, the cassette out. Yep. Oh, my God. I love this album so much. And I didn't even realize it came out in 89, because I... I remember it being big in 91 when I was in college. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that was when I learned about it. It's one of those things you don't realize how old some of these... I think like, when you think like Red Hot Chili Peppers, you only I only know Red Hot Chili Peppers from the nineties. Right, right, exactly. You but forgot no. Mother's Milk came out I think right. this year, actually. Right, exactly. But, but yeah. nails. Well I'm always I'm always when we're looking for albums, I'm searching for albums that I actually know um, from the year. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll be much better in the years coming up, but this was I was like, Yes, I have this one. I I really truly love this was one of the first ones I like re bought on C D when I got a CD player. Mm-hmm. Um and it's funny too because I I, I fashion you know I, I kind of thought of myself as being a big Nine Inch Nails uh, fan, and all their other stuff is kind of dog shit compared to this album. This this album does stand out, and it was Trent Reznor upset with his one ex girlfriend. Uh, yeah, this is the whole album. Well, it's all him. Yeah, this yeah. is all him yeah. doing the album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he toured, he had to get other musicians, but he does everything. Right. And that's pretty That's pretty normal. I, I, I like his other, you know... I actually saw these guys live on the first Lollapalooza tour. Oh, nice. And, yeah, with Trent, with Trent and his backing band, which included, like, the brother of Robert Patrick, which is, like, whenever you see promotional stills from um, 
T2. Mm-hmm. Robert Patrick's wearing Nine Inch Nails shirts. Because oh. his brother was a guitar player for them. Nice. He was in the band. I don't know if he was the, exactly the guitar player. I mean, and this is just ten fantastic songs. Yeah. Um, I'm actually looking at the remastered version right now with Get Down Make Love is one of the songs on there. But I think Ring Finger is actually technically the last one on there. Something I can never have. Yeah. So that is gorgeous. so good. Such so haunting piano in that. Yep. Uh, Sanctified. I mean, kind of. I want to is probably the worst song on this entire album, and it's still good. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's it feels like a dance song. Yeah, and but not like uh, go in the basement club and you know go push your emotions away. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike's looking at us I've, like I don't I've, know what you're talking I've about. I've never heard this album before in my life. Head like a hole. It's dark as your soul. I'd rather die than, than give you control. control. Bow down before the, the one you serve. You're going to get what you deserve. This is this is this is the album to listen to when you've had a terrible breakup. Bad. Oh God, this was my 1998, 1999. I may there may be a video floating around Facebook of me and my college friend Tony Balaco lip syncing to this song on like like one of those like video like make your own video thing. Oh God. I know it's there somewhere. I know we posted it. I will find it. And delete it. Yeah, I probably won't delete it. I mean, I'm, sure. I'm not, I don't get embarrassed that easy. So as, well, you guys are aware. Um, <laughs> right. Go ahead. <laughs> Joe, Joe, you're up next. All right, my next one. I'm not really doing a lot of general hopping here, but uh, the Steel, uh, Steel Wheels by the Rolling Stones. This album is known more for the tour, yeah, than the actual. I mean, the album itself isn't bad, but the tour was such a big deal because it was their first road tour since I believe '81. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. And it was like the hardest ticket in the entire concert, you know, world. What was the and Rolling Stones? You didn't know how much longer they were going to be around. <laughs> well, no. A lot Actually, of it, I think this was the last album that Bill Wyman pre- uh, yes. pre- performed on. Yes. Well, no. A lot of it was after Dirty Work came out, there really was a concern that the Stones were going to break up because Mick and and um, Keith, Keith fucking hated each other. hated each other to the bones. I mean, they were like just at each other's throat. But part of that, part of what made Steel Wheels a success 
was that tension. It was like a return to like classic Stones. Yeah. Where Keith and Mick were trying to one-up each other. Right. And that's when the solo albums came out. Yeah. And... Well, well, Keith's solo album was so, so so much more successful than Mick's. Mick's, Mick's solo album got panned totally by the critics. Yeah, and, and Keith was actually excellent. I actually got that album. So it was like it was one of those things where Keith, where Mick kind of like, well, you know, can can we do it one more time type of thing because he didn't want to get overshadowed by Keith, right? You know, why would you? Well, um, yeah, and, and again, it's it, it, it's all part of that the renaissance of classic rock, you know. Uh, what were some of the uh, songs on that album I really love? I mean, Mixed Emotions is a Mixed great emotion. song. Uh, Between almost, the Rock and the Hard Place. Almost See You Smile. I love that That's song. Actually that ended song. up on a lot of girls' mixtapes back in college. <laughs> yes, it did. So many mixtapes. <laughs> so, yeah. Mike? Yeah, you're up next. Okay. Uh, going back to country. All right. Shocking. Uh, this one's uh, Clint Black's debut album called Killing Time. I don't know if works for me still upset you But I've just got to make this memory stand clear I know I'm leaving here a better man Knowing you this way Things I couldn't do Okay. Uh, Clint Black, he's much more like more straight country than he's more tra- Brooks, yeah, but, he's more traditional country. But it's than... still it's still got that kind of that kind of rock pop feel to it. Um, he's got like a better man, uh, nobody's home. Uh, his, his I mean his, the two really big ones from this one are probably walking away and killing time. Mm-hmm. Um, probably between the two, I, I prefer walking away. I, mean, I, I I I like some of his later albums a little bit more. Yeah, um, I, I really like Clint Black in general, but um, this is not. This is certainly a, not a bad uh, album to for him to kick off with. Yeah, no, is this his debut album? I believe so. Yes, yes, it's, okay. it is. Yes. All right. Yeah, um, I yeah. think you know, based on you know, based on your comparison of country music, he is definitely more twang country than Garth yeah. Brooks is. Yeah, um, although he's he actually. He actually makes a uh, cameo appearance in um, Maverick. Yes, he does. That's right. He, I think he, I believe he gets uh, he gets caught cheating on their riverboat and gets thrown overboard. But I'm not that grosser. <laughs> All right. Am I up next? Yes, yes, you are. Okay. So next one, surprise, surprise. I talked about one of their albums last year. Going to go back to the well on this. <laughs> um, Do little by the Pixies. Got 
This is the album, if you know anything about the Pixies, you know this album. This was the one that actually introduced me to the Pixies, because this had the, um... The baser is like the big bass line song. do 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 And everybody knows that. Everyone learns how to play that bass line at some point. I don't. Except for all of you guys? Okay. Anybody that learned to play bass. Anybody who learned how to play bass. We all learned how to play Awesome. Um, <laughs> but again, I mean, this is just the, that lo-fi alt-rock that I just adore. And this is, I mean, this has got so many great songs on it. Um, Monkey Gone to Heaven is... I was trying to pull up the, 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 title, the, the, the track list here. Monkey Gone to Heaven is just a fantastic song. It's about... Um, it's about pollution, but just the imagery that they use. And, like, the lines about man is five, God is six, and the devil is seven. No, no. Uh, man is five, devil is six, God is seven. Yeah. And then this monkey goes to heaven. Um, you know, Debaser, Wave of Mutilation is a fantastic song. Here Comes Your Man was, like, their big MTV hit. But, you know, again, it just combines that fantastic, like, uh, like late 60s surf guitar in hard rock. It's definitely worth it. It's, that's, it's, hard, that's hard to pull off. It is hard to pull off. The album is like 35 minutes long. Okay. So you can literally listen to it on your way home. That's pretty quick. All the songs are like two and a half minutes long. Definitely worth definitely worth your time. For the love of God, please go listen to it. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Catherine. Okay. Uh, thanks, Mike, for throwing this one to me. Kelsa, please. Uh, this is... One of his best albums, in my opinion, UHF by Weird Al. It's one of his most diverse albums, because he's it's, got a lot of things on this one. I just really like some of the stuff that's on here. You know, it's not all from the movie. No. It's, right. Um, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of it is just original to this album. Tag of the radioactive hamsters from a planet near, near Mars. Mars. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that we talked about in the, the previous... The, the eye creatures. The, the previous episode where we talked about how... You and I might know one song by Fine Young Cannibals better than any others because he co- he did a version of She Drives Like Crazy. She drives me crazy. She drives like crazy. Ooh, ooh. Her car's a mess. <laughs> Steve did mention that he, I don't think that he doesn't think that Al actually has any regrets about any of the lyrics about Beverly Hillbillies. No, no. Oh no! Oh, that that is. 
And it's probably my favorite song on this They like, freaking got Mark Knopfler to yes, do the guitar for yeah. it. <laughs> and uh, I, I love generic blues. Oh, yeah. I, I love the story for getting Mark Knopfler to do that one. Though. It's like, basically, he, Weird Al goes to him and says, uh, I just want to do like a version of this song to Weird Al. To so he did, he, he did the entire song. And, and, and Mark's like, well, okay, I'll, I'll give you permission if I can do guitar for it. He's like, okay. <laughs> and, and, and Weird Al was like, he didn't play it exactly like he played it for money for nothing, but it's Mark Knopfler, so what am I going to do? Right. <laughs> right. It's his song. It's he's he's going to take a different twist on it. Okay, sure, fine, whatever. An aisle thing. We talked about yeah. We talked about that a little bit before. Special city. Special city. <laughs> I got to see him let me be your hog live uh, when we saw his... Uh, um, the 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 oh, yeah. vanity yeah. tour. Oh man, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just which, was, which was great. Biggest ball of twine in Minnesota, Minnesota was one of my favorite songs until Albuquerque. Yeah, they're, they're both just like long. Just they just weird, go on and on. Long and, uh, weird rambling yeah. stories that you get sucked into, and it's just hilarious. But yeah, um. <laughs> I just love the the. Uh, the the jingle for Spatulicity. Yeah. Spatulicity. We Spat- sing Spatulas, and that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this This one also had uh, the parody of uh, R.E.M. Stan. Spam. Okay. Spam. <laughs> <laughs> Which I prefer over Stan, actually. Shut yeah. your poor mouth. <laughs> Gandhi, too. Oh, oh <laughs> No more Mr. Passive Aggressive. No, no, no more Mr. Passive Resistance. Yeah, <laughs> Passive Aggressive is something totally different. Oh, good God. <laughs> now he's out to kick some butt. I haven't watched this movie in forever, but we have our summer movie list to talk about later, so... <laughs> Maybe we can do a group viewing. Mm-hmm. I do have the Blu-ray signed by Weird Al now. Oh. You know what? Because I brought guys. I, I think brought, it goes without saying. Of course you do. Well, I, I, had, I had the DVD, and then he was coming to town, and we bought the tickets to see him and have anything signed. And I'm like, I'm going to buy the Blu-ray and get that signed. Yeah, I did as you would. And, uh. and then Amazon delivered it and put it right in front of my garage door, and I back into my garage and ran over it. So I said, Amazon, send me a copy, and don't put it on my back, you know, put it on the front stoop. Yeah. And they did, and so then I had an attached copy to have him sign. Excellent. All right, Joe. All right. Last one. Last one. So my last pick is... Phil Collins, but seriously. Seriously, Joe, is that really your last pick? Yes, that is my last one. 
And actually, the only reason I picked it is because I love I Wish It Would Rain Down. Is All it, right. Is it but seriously or is it but seriously? No, no you know what? But seriously, because it's there's three dots in there's front of There's three that. dots. Oh, okay. But no, it this was actually his best selling album up to that point. And I think it's really his best selling album, period. It is. It is. Because this was like the this is his last real stab at album relevance yes. before like he would have he would have bigger songs. He would win Oscars with those songs, much to South Park fan chagrin. Um, <laughs> but seriously, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just tough because I I like Phil Collins. I know this is like the music hipster in me saying this. I like Phil Collins so much better when he was with Genesis. Even after this, they put out um, "We Can't Dance," which title track aside is a fantastic album. Yes, you're correct. I like Genesis. Thank you. I like Genesis a lot. I love Genesis. Phil Collins on the solo end can range between being too earnest or too silly. Sue, Sue, Sudio! All right there, Eric Cartman. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> all right, so go ahead, Joe. Sorry, we're, we're interrupting you in your no, no, moment yeah. of... All right, is that, is that, that it? Was is it? That all right, all no, right. It, no, but you know what? It's... It's, very much the definition of I had one more one to pick out, man. <laughs> I Damn, I got your five, and that's all I need. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Wikipedia trolling, okay? You expect me to remember all of this? Come on, I got yeah. two kids and I work 60 hours a week. I... <laughs> and I'm ca- keeping up a damn good Twitter game right now, I'll have you. You know. are, I will give I, you I will give me in you, Wago You are right on now. fire on Twitter, man. Thank you, Retro Geeky Geeky Retro Nerds, for helping me out with that. You're the best. (laughs) Our new followers. Our new followers are awesome. Um, All right, Mike, go ahead. Yes. Jumping genre again to one that I'm sure everyone will be be able to have something to say. Um, Aerosmith, Pump. Last good album. Yeah. The, this Hands is down. Down. I will they're, fight you if you disagree with me. <laughs> this is their last great album. I think I would I would actually say this is one of their best albums. Yes. If not their best. I have drank half a bottle of Southern Comfort and um, I'm on a beer right <laughs> now. Think, so yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but the thing is, 
when you put that up, I completely forgot this came out in 89 because I didn't start listening to it till like 90. Yeah. Fall of 90 was what really kind of started yeah, when, when getting love, big at, at school. Yeah, when Love in an Elevator showed up, I'm like, really? Yeah. yeah. That still gets regular airplay. It, yeah. it, this was the first album I bought that had the parental advisory yeah, sticker oh, on oh, it. Oh. You're so dirty. I am. But no, you know what? Looking back on it, this was such a raunchy album mm, yeah. by late 80s, well, early 90s I mean, standards. Look at, look at the album cover right there. It's a truck humping yeah. another truck. It's a small truck humping oh, a big how truck. how about the last lyric for F-I-N-E-5? Oh, yeah. You know what it is? No. I'll shove my tongue between your cheeks. I hear your love and so tight. I hear your so tight, your loving squeaks. Wow. wow. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, love And this is coming from a guy, uh, Stephen Tyler, not me. Um... <laughs> Who pretty much forces fifteen-year-old living girlfriend to have an abortion? So, loving an elevator, living it up while we're going down. Yeah, the, it wasn't subtle, man. <laughs> you know, that's a good song. Well, though. Is, is like I always felt like loving an elevator is such a carryover from permanent vacation. Mm. Right, and the thing about permanent vacation is, is like they were trying to cash in on the heavy metal, hard, you know, right. hair metal kind of trend of the time, which was so not them. Well, it's interesting, too, because they got caught in between the boards, I think. It's like, yeah. they aimed for one thing and hit something completely different, which was great because it was like, alright, well, this is where the oil is? Well, the, the, the pump, pump really was kind of a return to form for them. That hard, classic, blues-based right. rock, blues rock. But here's the thing, too. Honestly, and, you know, fight me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong on this. Janie's got a gun. Instrumentally is the Best song they've ever recorded. There's not a whole lot of instrumental in it, though. I mean, it's it's not so much that it's it's all of the it's when you when you think about the song, the way it's produced. Um, just remove, extract all of the lyrics, extract all the lyrics, and just think about the music in that song. It's just very, the melody. The melody itself. It's yeah. very dense yeah. for Aerosmith. Especially when you look at the songs that, are surround, that surround Janie's Got a Gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the other side is like the complete, you know, that comes right after Janie's Got a Gun. Yeah. And it's just like 180 degrees. Absolutely, because they usually get the horns in that one. And Monkey yeah. on My Back. Yep. Um, but, I mean, Janie's Got a Gun is a great song. I, yeah, th- this album. Yeah. It this. is, it, yeah. It, which was the one that came after this uh, one? The cry, Crying Crazy Amazing. Yeah. It may as well just be called Crying Crazy Amazing Amazing Crazy Crying. Because <laughs> all the songs sound alike Crazy Crying Amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Alright. I guess I'm left. You are okay. the last one. Alright. I saved my favorite for last, actually. I noticed that you kind of jumped around. Shocking. A jumped and around, shocking. I know. My favorite album, 1989, because this was. Nobody else listened to this album. It was. Oh my. <laughs> it's another album I've never heard of before. Wow. Bob Mould Workbook. Yeah. 
Now, on past year's shows, um, one of the stalwarts of my top five list was a band called Husker Du. Yes. Right. Okay. Also did the... Uh, they also... Bob Mould's band Sugar did our original music. Yeah. They didn't write it for us specifically. We just stole it because, yeah. you know, thieves. Um... But Bob, this is Bob Mould's first solo album, and it's an, it's a one eighty departure from the like the punk sound of Husker Du. This is very acoustic based, very guitar based, very singer songwriter based. Um, and there's just I, I listened to this album. I, I'd seen him on an interview on MTV News, yeah, MTV News, you and I was like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, that's. And I was like, I would like to listen to this album. I found it at Newberry Comics, because of course I did. Yep. Um, and I bought it. And I every every track on here is just wonderful. I mean, Sunspots is an intro that's just acoustic guitar. Wishing Well is kind of, it's got a little bit of a, of, of a, a, like a hard edge to it. Uh, Heartbreak of Strangers ended up on a lot of girls' mixtapes. Because, because sure it did. Um, because so why not? I'll, I'll put it on the inside, and apparently, I'm gonna turn it up to keep you warm. <laughs> it, was, it totally wasn't me that said that. <laughs> sure, Abby, we believe you. Uh, please believe. I swear <laughs> to God, it wasn't me. Um, and then you get some other great stuff in here. Dream, uh, dreaming, I am. All the people know. It's just. It's, this is one of these albums you just have to like pull up your Spotify or iTunes account, find it and listen to it. I what however I describe it is not going to do it justice. It is and especially Joe, you're a guitar fan. Yeah, and you're this isn't very much a blues based no, but I mean, thing. Really? This is more this is rock guitar, but it's it is a fantastic album. And then next year we talk about Black Sheets of Rain because that's going to make the list, um, <laughs> is more of a return to form with the uh, the harder the harder edge of what Bob Mould was yeah. doing. Fantastic album. I tried, in my in my haste, try to get people to listen to it. Nobody really listened to it in high school, so. I was right. You were wrong. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> You're still the only person who's heard of it, so good Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you guys all like, <laughs> I put this list out a week ago. They're all like, Ugh. Yeah. 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 So that is that is 1989, guys. Uh, oh my God, 90s. Say farewell to the say farewell to the 80s, boys. I'd say I miss you, but 90 is coming up next year, and it's a shit show going forward. Yeah. Wait till you get. No, wait. You we haven't covered the top one, the top number one hits of 1990. Please, Hammer, don't hurt him. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck the hell off. All right, next episode. I've been drinking, so I tried to be funny. Uh, <laughs> Andy, we've been drinking you. too, okay? Good I know. You. Not just as much as that. Yeah, that's funny too. But we're, we're not putting away SoCos. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't, I'm, hey, I'm hosting, so I have to drive. So, yep. yay, go me. All right, so we are going to do a task that we've been meaning to do for, God, Mike, what, 10 years? Uh, it's been. Nine, let's say nine. We, let's just say nine. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done a Star Trek episode. It's been ten fucking years since we've done a Star Trek episode. It was episode four. Yeah. We are we're doing 174 right now, so it's been a while. Um. 
So next episode, we are going to take all 14 theatrically released Star Trek movies and Galaxy Quest, because, let's be honest, it's a better Star Trek movie than most Star Trek movies, and we're going to rank them with your help. Yes, we are. So what we're going to do is, you've got, you can pick anything from uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture all the way to Star Trek Beyond and Galaxy Quest, um, and rank them in your order of, of choice. We will then tabulate those votes, and we will let you guys know what the results are on our next episode. So it should be an interesting conversation, because it means I'm finally going to have to watch Nemesis and Insurrection. Jeez, oh, Andy. You have to watch Tom uh, Hardy in a, uh, in a Star Trek movie, and not one of the good ones. I've no. seen Nemesis. I never saw Insurrection. I can't remember I've, I've seen, seen Insurrection. I've Insurrection is the one with F. Murray Abraham. I know I've seen it, I just can't remember it. <laughs> you blocked it. <laughs> <laughs> Nemesis has a very is the movie debut of Tom Hardy, isn't it? Nemesis is, yeah. Yes. Well, I've seen well it's not the movie debut, but maybe his American movie debut. I, be- I right. believe I saw that one in theaters. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that is... That's why I never saw Insurrection. God, I'm depressed now. Uh, (laughs) This is a bad idea. Um, (laughs) No, actually, it'll be hilarious because we'll get it out of the way early. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it's going to get out of the way early. Um, So, yeah, we want to hear from you. So we'll list out all the qualifying movies on our Facebook page, which is uh, Geeks Out Podcast. Our Twitter feed at Geeks Out Radio, and you can let us know. You can also feel free to email us at geeksoutradio at gmail.com if you um, just want to send us that list that way so that damn character, uh, the, the character limit doesn't come up into play. <laughs> you can also listen to all our episodes at geeksout.podbean.com. Uh, we're also available on the Podbean app, the Stitcher app, the Spotify app, and the, G- the Google Music app. Almost got through it this time. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And you can subscribe to us there, so please listen. Um, also, special thanks to everybody uh, who kind of followed us in the last couple of weeks on uh, our Twitter feed. Yay! Which Woo! is fantastic. Hopefully we garnered some new um, some new listens on there. Don't forget also to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Geek Salad uh, Podcast, where uh, we have exclusive content every week about movie reviews, top ten lists, uh discussions about, like, side conversations on episodes that we're doing, like Catherine. Mike and I, uh, last week, hosted uh, our favorite Muppet movie songs. Muppet movie music. No. Alliteration. Music of Muppet movies. Music of Muppet movies. Moopies. Booyah! There we go. The the Muppets were something else. (laughs) Exactly. Dave Grohl was in the Muppets. (laughs) He was. He should have been the halftime show. He should. Foo Fighters. Don't get me started. The Muppets should have been the... We can talk about that the off air. The Fighters and the Muppets. Oh, yeah. We can talk about that off air. So, anyway, until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. Go forth. Be nerdful. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
Yes, and I've learned something too. Robert Smith kicks ass. <laughs>